It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today for peace of mind. Visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Ah, uh, KT on a Wednesday, baby. It is hump day live. Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, one of three in the Vegas Valley to serve you. Great show in store for you. Mark Lawrence and I are going to talk some SEC football. A great producer, Mark Hoke, and I are going to get into some of the things on the local scene. Henry Ruggs sentence coming down today, and uh, we'll get into that. And then another former NFL player in a lot of trouble, former Kansas City Chief. We'll get into that as well. But lots going on. Baseball, of course, front and center right now. Orioles go down, crash and burn, second night in a row at home to the Houston Astros. So no magic music tonight. We'll see if they could get it together tomorrow, but still in control. Tampa Bay losing today, so the Orioles losing no ground. Game's going right now on that Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Before we get with Mark, 0-0, top six, Dodgers, Arizona, Miller, and Kelly. Great pitching matchup there. Keep an eye on that, but Arizona, my goodness. This team has won only seven of their last 30 games. They have fallen to 500, could go under 500 with a loss tonight. San Francisco, one nothing lead behind Ryan Walker against Shoei Otani. That game top six in Anaheim. So if you have the Giants' first five, that is a winner. And Otani going off a minus 140 in that game. San Diego had a one nothing lead, but Seattle has tied things up. That is now top six in the great Northwest. And, of course, the Mariners playing outstanding baseball right now as they bear down and try and get one of those wild card spots. You never know. I mean, there are nine games over 500, and steaming ahead and you never know if they can catch Houston and or Texas. We'll get into all of the uh, baseball standings myself and producer Mark Hoke a little bit later. No football, no soccer. Tomorrow we've got the ladies quarterfinals getting underway with that first game and we'll get into that just a little bit as well. Uh, But Steiner's Pubs, all three locations here in the Vegas Valley are at standing and KT always here 1750 North Buffalo on Wednesday nights 8 to 10 p.m. 101.5 FM K-Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app. But when you walk in all three Steiner's Pub locations Similar setups. They're all 24 hours, so you must be 21 and older to get in. Uh, Full bar, well taken care of. That, I'll say, at all three locations, you go in there, you won't see any dust on the bottles, no dirt, just beautifully set up. You've got the marquee lit up, let you know how the machines are doing as far as video kino, video poker, and then you've got all the games going. And if they're over, they'll replay a lot of those games. Right now, we've got games live. And uh, again, that Angels-Giants game on, the Dodgers-Diamondbacks game on, and uh, also Little League World Series action going as well. Not into the World Series yet in Williamsport, but the uh, regional deals going on. So I always love that. Takes you back to yesteryear as far as Little League baseball. So we've got it all going on here. They've got great happy hours, full menu, 
And uh, they've added a salmon piccata. They have the chicken piccata, but that is new on the menu as a jet waiter here letting me know and does an outstanding job at the service. is second to none at all three locations. 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South right there at Windmill. 8410 West Cheyenne now in their 25th year. That is the original. And celebrating their 20th year, the location that I'm at, that'll be in 11 days from now at 1750 North Buffalo Cross Street, Vegas Drive. Mr. Mark Lawrence with us. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Lawrence. Mark spelled with a C at the end, of course. And uh, we go through the conferences. And, Mark, it is SEC time. And we know that conference is still intact. But the Pac-12, no moss. And uh, a little hiccup today, or a major hiccup today, as far as Cal and Stanford, as they were trying to see if there was any way they could get in the ACC. Because geographically, that makes the most sense, to take two teams from the Bay Area in California and put them in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Kenny, it's uh, it's just absolutely mind-boggling what's going on here right now. It's... Uh... As I called out in the coffee club this morning, my editor of my magazine said, uh, uh, it's just gone to hell in a handbasket. And uh, how nice was it when we remember college football, when it was played in the way it was played as opposed to what they're doing to the game today. It's just unbelievable. 120 years of tradition from the Pac-12 gone by the wayside. And, of course, started out the Pac-8, then Pac-10, Pac-12. But, yeah, to just dismantle it. And I said earlier tonight, I was a guest on the show, the Die Hards National Show, with Anthony Pepe, and I just told him, I said, look, at the end of the day, people can say the final nail in the coffin for the Pac-12 may have been Oregon and Washington accepting a bid there from the Big Ten. But it all started with USC and UCLA. And USC is a strong brand. They didn't need any help. They were strong, and they were the front runner there in the Pac-12. So when they bolt with UCLA, and UCLA, yes, Financially, they needed the money. They really are still in the shadow of USC when it comes to football in Los Angeles, even though they've had some really good teams over the years. And Chip Kelly's done a nice job there. But USC is still, as we call them, the the pro team there in Southern California. And people will allude to the Reggie Bush money under the table, so to speak, back in the day to confirm that pro team tag. But, uh, you know, joking around a little bit there. But when they opened the door by bolting to the Big Ten mark, I thought that kind of set the precedence there that everybody else was kind of on their own and they were going to try and make a go of it as far as the Pac-10 or Pac-12, actually, where they were down to 10 with USC and UCLA committing to the Big Ten for next year. And then you just knew that these other conferences were not going to sit idle. And the Big 12, which looked like a conference itself that may be dismantled when Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were bolting for the SEC, which will happen next year, they didn't want to sit by, sit back, basically, and get picked apart. So they ended up being an aggressor and a catalyst, and they ended up coming out. They offer, you know, Colorado a deal. The Buffaloes move. So that took away the allure of Utah and Colorado being that one road trip there when you're looking at things like college basketball. And then you have Arizona, Arizona State right there in Tucson and Tempe, and then part of that four corners deal. And so the Big 12 went actively after Arizona, not for their football allure, but for their basketball, more or less. Arizona State follows suit, and with BYU already being somebody that bolted to the uh, Big 12 from being an independent, that renews the rivalry that'll be back intact with Utah going to the Big 12. So the writing was on the wall, and I guess the final nail in the coffin, really, when Washington and Oregon, which are still two pretty big names as far as college football, decided to accept the bids there from the Big 10 And uh, that only left four teams, and they are still sitting there without a place to go. Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, and Stanford. It does make sense geographically for Washington State and Oregon State 
to merge into the Mountain West. But again, they would be, as they would say, going down in class as far as they're concerned. But they may not have a choice. Where are you as far as what happens to those last four teams in the Pac-12? Well, they're going to have to cut the best deal for themselves they possibly can, Kenny. It's you know you have to look at the uh, the pro and the con of it. The con of it is if they don't cut a deal, and uh, it might not be the deal they want, as you mentioned, but uh, at least they're alive. The football program is alive. They're not an independent hanging out there all by themselves. And as you said, uh, Southern Cal going to the Big Ten was the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, at least as far as the Pac-12 is concerned. And it, it's funny how you said the Big 12 just a year ago, you know, you, you thought the conference was ready to dissolve, and it just turns on a dime. It's unbelievable uh, the way this stuff is formulating here. And uh, I just I, I, I just feel so sad for the game. Uh, I know one thing. I'm glad I don't have to pay the travel bills for the teams from, that are coming from the Pac-12 They have to go to the East Coast and play a couple of games each year. Yeah, and that's not it. I mean, we're looking at football because that's what we focus in on, and then we focus in on college basketball. But what about the swimming and the tennis and the smaller sports? How are they ever going to be able to manage all this? And what happens in the middle of a school year? Are you going to have USC and UCLA or Oregon and Washington teams playing Maryland and Rutgers and going 3,000 miles in the middle of the week and studies and all this stuff coming into play and name, image, likeness? I mean, it is just a real travesty it is as uh, my wife would say a complete circus act right now going on in college sports it is a circus act and uh i'm really really rather embarrassed about it you know for the sport itself and uh for all these moves that are being done and you know it's all being done for money and uh, you know where's the ncaa you know they've they've completely shrunk uh like a weed in this thing here too as well uh, they used to be a force that you know, they were dictating what teams could and couldn't do. And, you know, they've let, I think they're part of the blame in this whole thing here because they did not do anything to stop any of this evolution that's going on right now. Right, exactly. And when you look at, uh, we remember transfer. Okay, the transfer portal, they open it up. But it used to be if you wanted to transfer schools, you had to sit out a year and you were going to lose a year of eligibility. In now the revolving door is open and kids that don't get to start at a place that they transfer to they're turning right around and transferring again and again and there's no penalty so why not do it and if they're not getting the money they want name image likeness there's always going to be another suitor or at least that's happened time after time so yeah it's a revolving door to get a handle on it as a handicapper is one thing but realistically coaches and and uh you know just school student bodies just trying to stay up with who's on your team who's playing who's not it is unbelievable. It is just uh, anarchy in the U.K., as we would say back in the day. <laughs> you know, I'll give you a little inside uh, story here, Kenny. Uh, we put our magazine together here, the Playbook Preview Guide magazine, and uh, the guy who mocked it all up, our editor, the first cover that he mocked up was with Darren May, the quarterback from North Carolina. And uh, I kind of struck it uh, only because – there was talk that he might be transferring out of North Carolina. And the last thing you want is a picture of him on the front cover wearing a North Carolina uniform when he's playing for Auburn or something like that. Uh, And that and the fact that I don't think he was really as well known now as he's going to be at the end of this football season here. But just because of the transfer portal, uh, that reason alone is why we had to dish him and uh, we ended up settling on Tyreek Hill. There you go. Tyreek Hill instead of Drake May. Well, I could see it. Uh, There's no doubt uh, in North Carolina a team to be reckoned with, no doubt, in the ACC. But we are getting into the SEC, and that is the power conference, of course. We go alphabetically. We'll keep you as long as we can, and we'll forge through this stuff, Mark. And Billy Napier now in his second year there in Gainesville. 
rough go of it last year, had a bunch of injuries, and uh, talk about transfer portal, he had to settle some things down. They'll have that revenge game at Utah. Well, it's a revenge game for Utah because Florida won it last year, that opener in Gainesville. They'll be up at Rice-Eccles. Still don't know if Cam Rising will be ready to roll. I think he may be able to go, but uh, Coach Witt and Cam Rising, they didn't tip their hat there at Pac-12 Media Day. What about this Florida Gators team? Because uh, they just didn't look the part last year. But we know Napier is a guy that doesn't take him long to solidify a program. And he's got athletes, and there's no doubt that Florida could be one of those sleepers. Yeah, they could, uh, all because of Napier and the way he recruits and the way he uses the transfer portal. He brings Graham Mertz in here from Wisconsin, who kind of bottomed out. He was really a, a highly touted quarterback who got off to the real good start. But people have to remember, in high school, he was really amongst one of the best quarterbacks in all of high school. So he may find his niche down here in Florida. And if it doesn't happen, Ohio State's backup quarterback, Jack Miller, is also on the roster here. So you know he, he knows what he's doing. He's bringing the players in here. The thing that concerns me, two things here, Kenny. Number one, their offense and their defense both went backwards last year, but yet they still made a bowl game. That's sort of a winning game, winning games a little bit with smoke and mirrors. And if you take a look, they're going to be home only two times in their final six games of the season. So Florida is going to have to take care of business early on. Yeah, we'll wait and see how Florida does, but they will be a team that will rely on an Ohio State middle linebacker that transferred over in Mitchell to anchor that defense and be the signal caller there on defense for the Gators. And then Georgia, what can you say about this program? I mean, back-to-back titles, uh, Kirby Smart, incredible job there for the Bulldogs. Now, they've had trouble off the field, especially with a lot of uh, different violations as far as automobiles and, of course, tragic accident last year but they have a couple receivers that come over inside the conference Robert Thomas comes over he was uh, Mississippi State's leading receiver last year and Dominic Lovett uh, leading receiver for Missouri they join Lad McConkie so that's a pretty good trio there Carson Beck had the inside track to win the quarterback job we know the running game should be pretty good Kendall Milton is back uh, there's some other good ones as well and with Edwards and Robinson the second and then the defense is just Reloading. That's just what this defense does, and they put a ton of players into the NFL the last few years, and just ask the Philadelphia Eagles and grabbed a bunch of them. What about Georgia? Well, Georgia's got a, a new complexion here this year, Kenny, and you know they also have uh, this hurdle they have to overcome trying to become the first team ever in college football history to win three consecutive national championships. It's never been done before. They're favored to do just that. Their season win total is the highest of any team in the country at 11 and a half for the football season this year. I think those are big, big hurdles they have to do. And as you hit on before, they lost, they've lost 25 players to the draft the last two years. That's eight more than Alabama lost. So they've been really decimated, at least talent-wise, with losses to the NFL draft. Now they bring in a new offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo, new quarterback here. This is not going to be as good of a Georgia football team as it was just because of those reasons. And I don't think Georgia is going to end up winning a third national championship because of that. There you go. I do look at a couple road games. Uh, They, of course, play Florida, and that'll be October the 28th. That game always in Jacksonville. But at Auburn, we'll see what Hugh Freeze does with the Tigers. We'll get into them in a little bit. But at Tennessee, I think Josh Heupel, November the 18th, his team could be mature enough. And quarterback-wise, if Milton delivers like we think he can, Tennessee may be 
the team in the regular season that may give Georgia their most trouble. Remember, last year their toughest tilt was in Columbia against Missouri, and very fortunate to win that game. Let's go over to Mark Stoops now in Kentucky. Again, an underrated coach in Coach Stoops. Uh, done an outstanding job year in, year out. This team's always competitive. Has a really solid tackle in Deion Walker leading that defense. Uh, not the same running game that they've had as years past, and, and I think the offense really taking a backseat to a lot of the other offenses in the eastern half of the SEC. What do you got for the Wildcats of Kentucky? Well, they're not really well-received in the Ozmakers' eyes this year. Only six and a half wins for their season total. And this is a football team that's won 17 games the last two years, despite the fact they're bringing 10 starters back on offense. Uh, but the, what they're going to do is they're going to take on a really rugged schedule the last eight games going out. You look at their schedule, Kenny, you'll see all eight opponents were in bowl games last football season. So it's another case of getting out good for Kentucky to start the football season, and there's no reason that they should be going into Florida, a 4-0 football team, as a as a host of Florida in that football game. They beat Florida. They go to Georgia. They could be 5-0 and feeling awfully good about themselves. Uh, I just think this win total is a little bit too low for a team that's bringing as much talent as Kentucky brings back. And the savviness of this head coach here, I like them over six and a half wins. All right, so over six and a half wins. That brings us to our first break here, hour number one. Mark Lawrence joining us, Playbook Sports. Of course, uh, so much stuff that we'll get into throughout the upcoming Wednesdays as we finish up the college football conferences and then get into the NFL. Looking forward to college football. It'll start up. It's already August the 9th, and we've got games coming up in about 17 days from now. So we'll pick it up with Missouri. We'll stay and finish the eastern half of the SEC, get into the west as well. We've got Mark Lawrence, hour number one, SportsX Radio, 101.5 FM Don. We're streaming live on that Odyssey app. If you have not downloaded that worldwide app, do it now. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Mark Hoke running the show. The Mark Hoke Show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Sunday mornings, the best in professional wrestling. If you like professional wrestling, you'll love the Mark Hoke Show. And you can go to Odyssey Rewind as you hear the Steiners crowd uh, giving Mark Hoke a little appreciation. The Odyssey Rewind feature is intact. You go on there and you can listen back to any of the shows. We are live from Vegas, live at Steiners Pub. I'm Ken Thompson. You're listening to SportsX Radio. We'll be right back. Ah, uh, yeah, a little white snake coming back. One of my wife's favorites right there. Uh, actually uh, interviewed some of the band members back in the day as we uh, rock and roll here. Mark Lawrence with us. We are going through the SEC, Southeastern Conference. We're hitting the eastern half right now, and it made it up to Missouri. By the way, Kentucky, where we left off, was solid defense as far as on the line. A couple guys, J.J. Weaver and Dion Walker, those guys will lead that Wildcats defense. Another team, though, Mark Lawrence, that's going to be anchored by the defense and hopefully the offense will catch up somewhat is Missouri because Elijah Drinkwitz has a pretty good Tiger defense. And when you look at some of these guys that are coming back, uh, you've got several of them. Abrams Drain, excellent cornerback. You also have Jalen Carley's, another really, really good safety. And then on the line, Darius Robinson, very, very good defensive end. And you move on down, and you've got several others. Ennis Rakestraw, a good, solid corner. So their defense is really, really solid. And Tyron Hopper, also an outstanding linebacker. So there are really some main players on that Tiger defense. Question is, with all these starters coming back, seven on the offensive side of the ball, eight on defense, can Missouri 
get rolling and challenge in the East. I know their win total is six and a half. What do you got for the Tigers? Well, I think this is going to be a real uh, kind of a coin flip type season, Kenny. Here we're talking six and a half wins for the total here. The talent's there. But uh, I, I have to question their schedule a little bit here. You, you take a look, they're going to take on 10 teams that were bowl teams last football season here. My goodness, that's about as tough as it gets schedule-wise for any team in the FBS. So Drinkwitz will be up against it there that way this football season here. And at six and a half wins, they haven't won more than six games in any of their last four football seasons. So they're expected to do something that they haven't done in the past four years this particular season here. They're going to have to prove it to me. Uh, I know there's some talent here, and I'm a big uh, Drinkwitz fan. I think he's doing a great job with this program here. But it's just too salty of a conference for them to have to be in here. I'll play them under six and a half wins. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, the Miami transfer, Jake Garcia, can get this offense rolling. I'm telling you, they've got an outstanding kicker in uh, Mevis, and uh, we'll wait and see. Again, he missed a key kick last year in that game against Georgia where they nearly pulled off the upset. But I like this defense, and with the running game that's usually pretty good for Missouri with the changing rules where that clock doesn't stop to mark the first down except inside the last two minutes of each half, that could bode well for the Tigers. Let's jump over to South Carolina. Shane Beamer in his third year now, 15-11 and 11 straight up, not making you any money. You're paying a little juice there, 12-11-1 against the spread in his two years. And they open in that neutral site game in Charlotte against North Carolina. You talked about May, the quarterback for North Carolina. Look, I'm a big fan of Spencer Rattler, and I know uh, he had a, a tough label when he transferred to South Carolina from Oklahoma but I was able to see through it last year and made some good money when South Carolina was able to get a couple key wins down the stretch, including against their rival Clemson to close out the season, but beat, uh, I, I believe it was Tennessee as well uh, prior to that. Yeah, they beat Tennessee straight up, and I had them. In fact, they massacred Tennessee 63-38, to and then they won at Clemson 31-30, which was a great game. I took all those points and had them on the money line, had to hold on for dear life. But I think South Carolina, again, is a team that's going to surprise people. Where are you with the Gamecocks? Well, they're going to take on a murderous schedule here this football season here, but so too Kenny does just about every team in the Southeast Conference. So, you know, you could almost throw those schedules out because they all go toe-to-toe with one another. Uh, what they're going to do here is they're going to close out the season with a fortuitous four home games all throughout the month of November. Their final four games are all at home, all in November. That should set the table for this football team here, I think, to do some pretty good things this football season. I like the make of the team, uh, and I'm with you. Uh, I think they're well fortified at the quarterback position here this year. He, uh, you're going to find Rattler, I think, to have his best year of his college football career this football season here. I think they get over those six-and-a-half wins. Yeah, it'll be interesting. They have a great punter, too, and Kai Kroger, a guy that can flip the field. But you're right, the schedule is murderer's row. If they can beat North Carolina, they could have a pretty good run. They do have to go in between the hedges on September the 16th. But if they beat Carolina and Furman, okay, you suffer the loss potentially at Georgia. You get Mississippi State at home, and then you go to Knoxville. Is there a chance you can knock off Heupel's team? Going to be tough, but you never know. If they can get one of those two on the road, then they get Florida at home. They have to go to Mizzou and A&M back-to-back. That is not going to be easy. Those are two tough places to go. But then, like you said, if they can somehow at least get one of those four SEC road tilts, 
again, Georgia, Tennessee, Missouri, and A&M. Those are all four tough places. They're hoping they can win in Missouri and maybe get one of the other ones and then close out against Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Clemson. And if they beat Clemson for the second year in a row with Rattler at the helm, that could bode well for Shane Beamer as far as holding on to that job tightly there in Columbia. Let's jump over to Tennessee because Josh Heupel, man, it was oh so close to him getting to the playoff last year. We knew the offense was going to be outstanding. I mean, it's just the way he rolls. That's what he does. Former quarterback, he loves to run and gun. And I think this is one team that is going to get hurt by the uh, clock continuing to run as far as first downs because they have big plays and you know if you have the linemen that have to run down while the clock's still running instead of them holding the ball up while you're going to mark that first down that's going to take away from Tennessee as far as their offense but they're 18 and 8 under Heupel they do open with Virginia they get Austin P a high-flying offense and then they go to Gainesville if they can set the table there by winning in Gainesville my goodness, you can find themselves, they can find themselves 5-0 and before they host A&M and then go to Bama and Kentucky back-to-back games. Mark, what about Tennessee? Volunteers trending in the right direction. They're trending in the right direction, Kenny, here. Uh, you know, really, really good season last year. I don't know if they can live up to what they did last year. It would be, uh, 11 wins would be just about next to impossible. All they have to do is win 10 games to get over their season win total at 9.5 this football season. But there's a lot of talent here, and Josh Heupel, like you said, likes to get up and down and put points on the football scoreboard here. If they had an Achilles heel last year, it was the fact that they were the number three worst team in the country in most penalties per game. And they can't allow themselves to beat themselves. They have to be better than that and better than other teams, especially playing in this conference here. Uh, they're going to be right in the thick of things. There's no question about that. Probably at uh, nine and a half wins, one of the favorites to win the East this year. Yeah, and Joe Milton, a lot of potential. I think he can answer the questions uh, that a lot of naysayers may have about him. I I see the potential, and I really think he's going to live up to it. Brew McCoy, seems like he's been playing for three different teams for the last seven years, but he is there on that receiving court. And and Squirrel White is back, so we'll wait and see. But I think this Volunteers team is, again, dangerous because you have Heupel, and, again, I think Milton could be a guy that answers the bell. There's a lot of athleticism there, and if he's able to run the offense the way Hendon Hooker did last year, look out for Tennessee. They will be dangerous, especially where that checkered end zone is in Knoxville. Last team in the East, Clark Lee, third year there at Vandy. 7-17 straight up, but 11-11 against the number, so closing the gap, at least as that goes. Uh, Timmy Chang in Hawaii, they'll be the opening game there for the Commodores and then Alabama A&M, so a chance to go 2-0. They go to Wake Forest, and we know Clawson's team is down, but we're going to get to see the Commodores out here at Allegiant Stadium against UNLV September the 16th. And then they have back-to-back home games in the SEC against Kentucky and Missouri to open up SEC play. Mark, what about Vandy? Because if uh, Clark Lee is ever going to get to a bowl game, the way this schedule sets out early, if he can get off to a good start, he'll just have to find a way to win one of those last couple games or maybe two of those last couple games to get bowling at 6-6. What about Vandy? Because we know A.J. Swan, the youngster, showed a lot of promise at that quarterback position last year. Well, it's all about positioning, I think, with this team here, Kenny. A lot of people like the makeup of this Vanderbilt football program this particular season here. They won two of their last three games last year, fell just short to become a bowl team, and some people feel that they're going to get back there to become a bowl team this year. They're number 32 in the country overall in returning ranking productions, uh, which is pretty strong as far as depth on this football program is concerned. 
surprisingly, to their credit, they were one of only eight teams that managed to pull off straight-up underdog wins as dogs of 14 or more last season. And the reason I call that out is um, there have only been 53 teams that have done just that, if you will, like all the way back to 1980. And teams that do that tend to bounce back with a really strong effort the following year, the confidence factor being there for Vanderbilt here. Three and a half wins look, looks a little bit low for this football team, especially if they're thinking about going bowling here. I'll buy the over three and a half for Vanderbilt. All right, there you go. All right, so let's jump over to Alabama as we start the West and go alphabetically there. Here's a team that they didn't win the West last year, and that's a shocker in itself, but let's give it to LSU. Uh, Brian Kelly really got a lot out of that team, and they had that exciting win against the Crimson Tide and found a way to get it done. Will they be able to do it again? We'll wait and see because they have Daniels back at quarterback, and Kelly's got a pretty good squad again. Uh, Jalen Milrow was one of the guys battling for that Alabama quarterback position with Ty Simpson and then Tyler Buckner transferring over from Notre Dame. Got you, Corey Brooks, good, solid receiver. Isaiah Bond as well. Malik Benson transferring over for the Tide. I don't know on this team. I'm just somebody that I can't go over their win total of 10.5. In fact, I would only look under. But you always figure that, you know, Saban's going to end up with double digits in wins. But I'm not so sure. I think he's losing ground as far as the conference overall. Why Kirby Smart has been able to hold his own and gain ground. Saban's lost a little bit of ground. Do they bounce back here, Mark? Do they win the West? Well, you know, it's been three years since they won the BCS, or not the BCS, the college football playoff championship. So, you know, he's jonesing right now is Nick Saban. And I look for a big bounce back year for this football program this season here. Reason being this, all the ink is going to Georgia here for what they've done. You know, they've gone out and brought people in here, recruited. They've out recruited just about everybody. But if you take a look at the recruiting rankings over the last four years between Georgia and Alabama, Alabama ranks number two, one, two, and one the last four years. Georgia ranks three, four, one, two. Alabama's actually out-recruited Georgia the past four football seasons, which means the depth is here on this football program here. And a stat that I like about Alabama is whenever Nick Saban has lost two games, it comes off of a two-loss season the year before, his teams have gone 88-8 and eight the following football season to bounce back doing just that. We have Alabama as the number one team in the in our poll in the Playbook pre, um, Preview Guide magazine this particular year because I'm looking for this big bounce back year by the Crimson Tide. Yeah, and you know, Mark, I'm looking at that second game, September 9th, and Brad Powers and I talking about how that week two, uh, you got the week zero, and then, of course, week one, week two. But that week two, September 9th, there are so many key games, and that is one that is right there for the taking with Alabama and Texas. And we saw what Texas did last year. And if Ewers doesn't get hurt in Austin, I think Texas probably wins that game against the Tide, even though, you know, Young was remarkable and came up with that big play to help them get that win in Austin. But uh, that could be a game that Texas could win. I know it's a hostile environment, but at the end of the day, Texas has a squad under Sarkeesian who also knows Saban as well as Saban knowing Sark's tendencies there when he was offensive coordinator for the Tide. So it'll be a lot of fun there as Alabama opens with Middle Tennessee and Stocksdale's team and then gets Texas before going to South Florida and then Ole Miss to open things up as far as SEC. He'll take on Lane Kiffin's squad, and that'll be a lot of fun. But I do think they will lose. That's my call out. I called it two years ago, and it happened at College Station against Texas a and I'm going to call it again that Jimbo Fisher is able to knock off Saban. Nearly did it in Tuscaloosa last year, ended the game on the four-yard line, and came up short with a crummy last call of a play, but at the end of the day, easily covering the double digits in points. So we'll see what Bama has, and it'll be good to see that Iron Bowl. 
This one will be at Auburn with Hugh Freeze at the helm there for the Tigers as well, Mark. Let's jump over to Arkansas because Sam Pittman's got a good squad, and he's a good coach, and he's a player's coach. There's no doubt he's now in his fourth year. He's 19-17 and 17 straight up. And I like the way this team plays, but they've got a murderer's row, four games set after opening with Western Carolina and Kent State. And then they get BYU, the newcomer, to the Big 12. But then they go to Baton Rouge. They get A&M on the neutral at Jerry Jones' house there in Fort Worth. And then they're at Ole Miss and at Alabama. My goodness, that is a four-game gauntlet. Going to be tough for Sam Pittman and Arkansas. But they have K.J. Jefferson back. They got Rocket Sanders in the backfield. What about the Razorbacks? Uh, this is a football team here, Kenny. Now, coming back a little bit light with talent, uh, only 10 starters back from last year's football team, but 12 players dot this roster that are super seniors, and that's going to be a big, big experience factor for them helping them that way this year. you got Dan Enos, uh, the offensive coordinator, comes in here, and uh, uh, he brings a lot of experience, and he's a really high-respected offensive coordinator here. He had an offense that averaged 32.5 points a game and 6.4 yards per play last football season here. I don't think you can count the Arkansas Razorbacks out this football season here. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, he's really an underrated, unsung quarterback, and uh, he could end up being the kind of a quarterback that could end up being the best quarterback in this conference by the end of the football season, you know, with uh, Alabama having graduated their Heisman Trophy quarterbacks. I like this Arkansas football team. I like Sam Pittman. I think he has his football teams prepared every football game that he that he approaches the game with. And I think they could be a bit of a surprise once again this year. All right, we'll close out the hour with Mark Lawrence, and we appreciate him when we have these big conferences as we get through. We'll take our final break here. We'll come right back. We'll pick it up and close out the West with Auburn, LSU, Mississippi, Mississippi State, and Texas A&M. We'll do it all right here, 101.5 FM Dawn. We're streaming live on that Odyssey app, talking Southeastern Conference football with Mark Lawrence, Playbook Sports. We'll be right back live from Vegas, live at Steiner's Pub. All right, we are back. Steiner's Pub, Ken Thompson, rocking and rolling. Hour number one, about nine minutes to get through those last five teams with Mark Lawrence. Mark, real quick, let everybody know about Playbook Sports because you've got a lot of great plays that you're going to be getting ready to give out. And I know you're already busy at work and you've got some of them already locked and loaded, but you hit up the uh, preseason football. You do it all at Playbook Sports. Yeah, that we do, Kenny. Uh, as everybody knows, preseason officially kicks off. It gets underway tomorrow. There's a big special on our preseason football. Check it out at playbooksports.com. You sign up for that. You also get the coffee club as a free no-charge bonus in your email box every morning. All right, so talk to me about Auburn because Hugh Freeze, we know the pedigree is there as far as SEC experience. He uh, you know, went over and uh, paid his dues, so to speak. He's back in the big conference, and there's playmakers there there's no doubt probably go with a quarterback platoon or right now trying to figure things out because you've got a couple different styles with Peyton Thorne the transfer from Michigan State Robbie Ashford who transferred from Oregon a couple years ago uh there's there's talent there and if there's talent Hugh Freeze is a good guy to find it and uh get it to excel on the field so talk to me a little bit about Auburn can we expect this team to get close to bowl potential or will they still have to go through some growing pains I think they're going to be a bowler this year, Kenny. That's all Hugh Freeze knows is winning football games. And, in fact, in his career, he's only had one losing season. 
uh, really rather rare for him to end up on the short side of the ledger here with Auburn coming off of a 5-7 and seven season last year. I don't see them coming with back-to-back losing efforts this year. Uh, they're going to be at Alabama and at Georgia next year, but they've got them both at home this year, and I think that ends up working in their favor if you will, having them there on their schedule that way. And remember this about Hugh Freeze. He's a terrific underdog. He's 28-11 and 11 to the spread, taking points in his career. And in his days when he was at Ole Miss, he dogged up 19 times. He won, went 14-5 and five to the number here. If he takes points in the conference, you have to make a case for him or stay out of the game. No doubt about it. He is somebody that will have his teams ready. And I look at that last game with Alabama going to Auburn. I'm just hoping Hugh Freeze has his team already ready to bowl going into that game. It'll be a lot of fun to see the Iron Bowl back at a high uh, intensity level. I mean, it's always there, but knowing that Auburn actually has a legitimate coach uh, that's going to give him an opportunity to win because Brian Harzen really struggled there, no doubt about it. Let's stay with another, another Tigers team, and this one really excelling last year. And after that tough opening loss, uh, Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers really got things rolling after losing that game to Florida State. We'll see what he can do this year. But, you know, Jaden Daniels putting on 15 pounds of muscle. Got to talk to their play-by-play guy, Chris Blair, a little bit ago. Talk to me about LSU because they got a big revenge game at the end of the year at home as well against Texas A&M. They are at Alabama on November 4th, and that'll be revenge there for the Tide after losing that one-point affair in Baton Rouge. But LSU, what about the Bayou Bengals because this team's loaded? They're loaded, and they've got a coach that knows – does nothing but wins football games here. It was quite a debut, if you will, for Brian Kelly last year. Goes into Baton Rouge and wins 10 games. They got beat up badly in the NFL football draft this offseason here as well. Uh, they'll come back here, however, depth-wise, really strong because they had a lot of depth of players that played a lot last year. He played a lot of underclassmen last year, uh, did Kelly, and that'll end up working, I, I think, out to his favor this particular season here. Uh Nine and a half wins, it's going to be a little bit salty here because they're going to be a targeted football team, if you will. I do like the fact that they close out five of the last six games at home. The only road game will be at Alabama. That might help nudge them closer to that nine and a half season win total. No doubt. Malik Neighbors, one of the better wide receivers, not only in the conference, but in the country. Mason Taylor, outstanding young tight end. Keep an eye there. One of the best tackles in the country. And Will Campbell to anchor that offensive line. Defensively, got a couple real good ones. Defensive tackle, Mecky Wingo, really, really good. And Harold Perkins, Jr., you better know where he is. One of the quicker linebackers as well. Bayou Bengals, going to be a lot of fun to watch them, especially Labor Day as we look forward to LSU taking on Florida State again. What a game it was last year. That leaves Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and A&M. Let's go to those Rebs and talk a little bit about Lane Kiffin's squad because we know one thing, they're going to score points. And Jackson Dart is back, and Spencer Sanders comes over, quarterback as well, from Oklahoma State. So that battle should be intriguing, and uh, you may see both of those guys throughout the year. Talk to me a little bit about the Rebels of Ole Miss. Well, they come back well-stocked this year, Kenny. 16 starters back. In fact, they rank number 27 overall in the country in returning production ranking overall, so that bodes well for Lane Kiffin this football season here. And one thing I like about this team, last year their offense and their defense both improved, but they went backwards, if you will, in their record straight up and against the spread. Those are almost always good bounce-back effort-type teams. They're the only team in the SEC that's going to be have road games at Alabama, Georgia, and A&M. That's a rather really testy uh, three games on the road for this Mississippi football team. But 
they're very, very exciting, and I think Lane Kiffin's got this program headed in the right direction. I think they get over those six-and-a-half wins. And then, of course, Mississippi State, we jump over to the Bulldogs and, of course, the tragic passing of Mike Leach, and that puts a lot of pressure on a young coach that probably wouldn't be a head coach if it weren't for that tragedy. Uh, maybe he would have started out in a smaller conference, but steps in there for the boys from Starkville. Mississippi State, I just have a feeling, even though Will Rogers is back quarterback-wise and Jaquavius Mark's pretty good running back, it could be a long year for the Bulldogs. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of sentiment here. And, uh, you know, if it was a more talented football program that recruited a lot deeper than they do, uh, you might look for an effort to win one for the Gipper. But I think this is going to be a black cloud hanging over this football program pretty much of this football season here. Six and a half wins for the total. If they make it to a bowl game, uh, it will be mission accomplished for this team here. And one thing Leach did with this program here, he played a lot better defense than people ever give him a realize. I mean, number three in the country last year in points scored per game in the first quarter allowed, I should say points allowed, just 2.3 points allowed in the first quarter of football games. But all in all, bottom line, six and a half wins, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for the team to get that number. Yeah, we'll see if the defensive coordinator, now turned head coach Zach Arnett, can have the guys focus going into the season. And then we get to Jimbo Fisher's squad. We know last year he had one of the best recruiting classes in the country. Those kids are mature now. They're ready to play. Daunting schedule for A&M, but again, it is the SEC. But they do get BAM at home. Talked about that on October the 7th. Right after that, though, they've got to go to Knoxville and refocus for Tennessee. So that could tell us a lot, I mean, because you get Arkansas prior to the Bama game. So it's going to be just uh, an incredible uh, gauntlet there for the Aggies as we look at Auburn at home, Arkansas neutral, Alabama at home, at Tennessee. going to be a lot of fun. I think this Aggie team could really surprise, and it would not shock me if they won the West in the SEC, Mark. Talk to me about Texas A&M because I think this team has potential, and if Connor Wegman can fit the bill at quarterback, I think this team has enough talent. And if Jimbo Fisher does not get in the way, they could also win the West here as well. The things that concern me about this team, uh, number one, uh, look at their schedule, the way it breaks out. The first four games are against teams that were stone losers last year. Give them wins there. But their last eight games of the season are against eight teams that all had winning records, seven of them bowl teams. So they're going to have to really slice and dice down the end of the football season here. The first third of the season is easy. The last two-thirds is going to be very, very difficult. The reason I like this football team this year, Kenny, with you, 20 starters back on this football program, number six overall in the nation in returning production ranking, and they happen to be a mission team in that they had a losing season last year after having won eight, nine, and eight games the previous three years. You generally get good efforts from these mission teams, and that will likely be the case for Texas A&M this year. There you go. Robinson, Foster, Fathery on the offensive line. It's good to have veteran leadership there for the Aggies as well. And again, a lot of those recruits that we talked about from that great recruiting class last year, they are back. Mark Lawrence, appreciate you. Where do we go next week? We go to the Sun Belt? Yeah, we're going to wrap it up with the Sun Belt. We may, may sneak an independent or two in there, but we'll wrap the college previews up next week with the Sun Belt. And I hope and I hope to be, I should be, God, uh, God willing, I'll be sitting next to you next week and we'll be talking about the Sun Belt.
There you go. Looking forward to Mark Lawrence making it out to the Silver State, Silver and Black State, and Las Vegas. That'll do it for our number one, Sportsnet Radio KT, live at Steiner's Pub. Mark Hoke running the show. He'll come back and split our number two with me. Got a lot to talk about. Sportsnet Radio 101.5 FM Dawn. We're streaming live on that Odyssey app. Keep it right here, live from Vegas. You're listening to Sportsnet Radio. We'll be right back. Back from halftime, it's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah, what up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind. Visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, KT Live, Saunders Pub, as we rock and roll through hour number two. My producer, Mark Hoke, going to join me. Of course, he's a big sports guy. He does the wrestling show, the best in professional, professional wrestling, Mark Hoke show on Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, but Mark is loaded as far as sports. And he also did a great poker show for years. So a wealth of knowledge as far as poker, knows the wrestling circuit, of course, all of the, uh, uh, the different circuits, uh, follows that and does his own show. But as far as sports, I mean, Mark is somebody that literally – KT could take two weeks off and let Hoke run the show, and he's well-versed in just about every sport, especially every major sport, knows his football inside out, college pro, and, of course, loves the uh, uh, the basketball world, and, and we have a lot of fun, and, of course, his alma mater, North Dakota State, but he's a big Penn State fan, and, you know, Hokester, I know uh, Penn State has made a home there in the Big Ten, but I've been talking to a lot of people from around the country from a lot of different universities and there's just a lot of people that are really upset with the uh, dismantling of the Pac-12 and saying it could have happened to any one of the Power Five conferences, and they just don't see it. Geographically, monetarily, just looking around how, you know, none of this stuff seems to have been well thought out. It was just kind of a grab here, a grab there, and teams accepting, and I don't know. Again, I think I nailed it pretty good, not to, you know, point fingers, but... If USC does not accept the Big Ten bid initially, the Big Ten's not going after UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. And the Pac-12's not breaking up if USC stands pat. Well, I I think that a lot of it, Ken, is just... And, and Washington State's, um, one of their representatives, I, I have the articles here, was talking about it, that it, it came down to leadership, you know, and... The the Pac-12 and the NCAA, you know, their leadership is primarily responsible for a lot of this. 
you, the NCAA just sat back and let all this stuff happen. And they're like, yeah, whatever, you know, we're get more money in the coffers. It's all good. And they've completely lost control of, of division one athletics. And it's sad. And, you know, the PAC 12 not being able to come up with a TV deal for a team in Los Angeles and, you know, one of the two biggest media markets in the country to sit back and watch this and say, what's going on? We can't get on TV. Are you kidding me? Can you, you can't blame USC for shopping around. You really can't. And then after they came out with this, this Apple thing, uh, you know, can you, could you blame Washington and Oregon for saying, you know what? We're out of here in Arizona, Arizona state. We're going to fall behind everybody else. And we don't want to do that. So we might as well join the big boys and leave this behind as sad as it is. Yeah. I, I, again, I see it from that angle as well. Uh, a lot of lost money left on the table happened under Larry Scott's watch over there at PAC 12 uh, conference. And, it is sad. And I've got buddies, as you know, Roxy Bernstein's been on the show for years and years. And he, of course, uh, you know, employed by the Pac-12 conference for many years. Now he works with the ESPN conference, you know, sports as well. And I'm sure he'll be somebody that Big Ten Network will probably jump to grab him as well. But it is going to be tough. So you have the four teams, the two L.A. squads, USC and UCLA, and then Oregon and Washington bolting to the Big Ten. And then you have Colorado and Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, going to the Big 12, leaving Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, and Stanford. And again, Cal and Stanford were actually talking to the ACC at the Atlantic Coast Conference about potentially joining. That has hit a hurdle right now, and uh, uh, talks have uh, stopped, at least for the time being, because there were some things that went wrong. But I, I just don't see how that would work for the other sports, even football. It's not like Cal and Stanford are big-time draws going back to take on a Clemson or a Florida State. And, again, we're hearing, you know, grumblings there that Florida State may be ticketed for the SEC. Clemson potentially could go to the SEC or the Big Ten. We don't know, as the ACC could be a vulnerable conference. But we'll wait and see what happens right now. We know this year, football-wise, it looks like Clemson and Florida State are the two front runners, And I just... Like you said, I don't think there's any thought as far as the whole thing being thought out, like consequences-wise, like, okay, this looks good now. We've got this money here TV-wise, and everything is hinging on football. And I just feel bad for the other sports. I think there's a bunch of sports for a lot of these schools, especially the ones that may find themselves having to travel continuously west coast to east coast that – they may not have it in the budget to hold on to all these sports. Yeah, that is certainly a possibility too, Ken. And I, and you know, you think about you know, a lot of these West Coast schools having to go east, and they're saying, well, their budgets can't handle it and everything else. But at the same time, as well, you know, you look at a, a network like the Big Ten. Uh, you know, they're putting all their other sports on TV too. Uh, you know, volleyball draws some decent numbers for them. Wrestling does some good numbers. You know, and you know, there's other sports out there. The pool, you know, the SEC and baseball and Pac-10 or Pac-12, the same thing. I mean, they were pretty popular. So, you know, they are still relying on those sports to bring in some revenue. And you you have to, you, you can't just discount them either. I, I just think that the there's, there's one of two things that are going to have to happen. Either 
these conferences are going to have to look and say, you know what, maybe we've got to restructure everybody else but football and, you know, whatever football does, they do. Or the NCAA's got to step in and say, wait a sec, we're the ones running this show. We're going to have to do something different because this is bad overall for all of our student athletes. You know, if they if they care, you know, that's the question. Do they do they care about the kids? Because these kids are going to be, you know, as you talked about earlier in the show, Ken, the, the massive traveling and you know their studies are going to get disrupted. It's going to be a mess. I, I you know, I, 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 and once again, I, I do think it comes down to to leadership. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, somebody talking to me here at the desk uh, about UFC fighting and whatnot. So I'm <laughs> trying trying to concentrate on. We're uh, live. We're listening to you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, some people don't know. They think you have the headset on for no apparent reason. Yeah. and at times I do. You know, Ken. Actually, it's funny when I did cover the World Series of Poker a lot. Yeah, uh, I would be in the hallway uh, by the Amazon room, and people would come up all the time. You know, for the first few years, I was just. They, they just, you know, I'm sitting there talking into a microphone or I have get somebody sitting next to me and they would just roll up and say, hey, where's the bathroom? I kid you not. We started keeping a pool on it. And then I, I finally figured out, you know what? I'm just going to make a big old sign that hopefully everybody's going to say, hey, you know what? That guy might be actually doing something there at that table with the headphones and the microphones and the equipment. Some people still couldn't figure it out. And then, I, and then I'd interview them. I'd pop my room. Hey, what's your name? Who are you? Where are you from? Hey, do you, know, do you know we're broadcasting here? Yep, I did it. I, 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 I did it at the Golden Nugget, I remember. That was classic. And, yeah, the, the bathroom, that was the great one when if you're on the air. Hey, where's the men's room? Where, where's valet? That's great. Well, we were, well, we were just down the hall. For, if, if you knew the Rio, there's a hallway that uh, goes off to the side, and it's one of the main main bathrooms was in there and that's where a lot of us on media when they had the media row were stuck in there so people would be coming down the hall where's the bathroom man oh, god shut up just shut up if, uh, you know those big doors go out those big doors i'd pray to god it would happen but anyway flashbacks you flashbacks you man i know good stuff all right uh Giants and Angels, they're in the ninth. Giants have the tying run at the plate with two outs. They trail four to one, top nine. We'll see if Estevez can get the final out. He floundered the other night. Uh, Dodgers lead the Diamondbacks, two nothing, top nine. The Diamondbacks about to drop under 500. Wow. That, uh, that'll be seven and 24 in their last 31 if they lose this game. Mariners still batting bottom eight. Trailed one nothing, tied it at one. Going to the bottom of the eighth, they put up a three spot on San Diego. Mariners about to go ten games over five hundred, and the Friars looking like they could get to five hundred. Pulled within a game of five hundred, uh, or actually got to five hundred. Now they've dropped four, I believe, four in a row. Or no, because they got one of the four against the Dodgers. That's right. So they've dropped. This will be four out of five, five out of six. This will be five out of six, and uh, yeah, that's a tough way to go for San Diego when they looked like they were. Back in the wild card hunt. Still not out of it, but uh, meanwhile, the Reds, they lose again. Boy, oh boy, I mean, this team's struggling mightily. They're only three games over 500. They lose to the Marlins, who actually have a half game lead over the Reds in the, uh, in the wild card race. They're 60 and 56. The Reds, 60 and 57. But the Cubs 
uh, tied with the Reds in second place. Cubs also lost, I believe, to the Mets. Yeah, they lost 4-3. to three. Hap struck out with the bases loaded in two outs. He ended up going 0-5. for five. But the Mets win that game by a score of 4-3. to three. Braves beat the Pirates. Another close one in Pittsburgh, 6-5. to five. Braves got three in the ninth to win last night, 8-6. And they win 6-5 tonight against the Buccos. Phillies, the no-hitter by Lorenzen. Very impressive for Michael Lorenzen coming over from the Tigers. And you and I said we thought this was a great pickup by Philadelphia. And Wayne Krivsky, of course, former manager, general manager for the Cincinnati Reds, was very upset that the Reds did not go out and try and get Lorenzen. And he has paid off big time already. Yes, he has. I know the Orioles were trying to pick him up, too. He was on their target list. Uh, you know, a really good pitcher was just stuck on a, a team. And, you know, it, it took him a while to get his footing in the big leagues, but he was an all-star this year and has been pitching great and, you know, is capping his best season right now, at least at this point, with a no-hitter. The Phillies, once again, can, you know, they came out of nowhere last year. I, I don't think they're going to sneak up on anybody this year, but, you know, this is... This is a dangerous team. They can score runs in bunches. They've strengthened that starting rotation. They could cause some trouble. So, uh, you know, our, our boy uh, covers Chris over there. He's probably sitting around ringing that bell saying, yeah, that's right, Hoke. It's the Phillies, not the Orioles. That's right. So That's right. Yeah, he's a big-time Philly fan all the way around, and he's surprised that you're an Orioles guy uh, because, of course, you both have the passion for that Philadelphia Eagles squad. Big time. Milwaukee, 7-6. They went on a walk-off error. And that was big because they they needed that game the Brew Crew did against Colorado after losing that game in 10 innings last night. Uh, 6-5 again, Atlanta. Freed was real sharp in his first game back off the IL, but not as sharp tonight. But they do end up getting the win 6-5. That game does go over the total. Uh, Of course, the Philly win 7-0 with Lorenzen. That total was 9, so that game stays under. Hauser and Flexen, the starters in Colorado-Milwaukee, 7-6 Brewers. Uh, Hauser was a minus 230. Total was 9.5, so that game gets over. And the total also 9.5 in that Miami-Cincinnati game, and that stays under 5-4 with Miami knocking off the Reds. Uh, Again, still 2-0 now. Arizona bats bottom 9. Miller and Kelly, the starters there, great pitching matchup, but the Dodgers have the only two runs. And as I said, the Diamondbacks will fall to 57 and 58 with a loss. And this was a team once 16 games over 500. Austin Pruitt surprised Texas. How about a shutout? Jordan Montgomery on the hill for the Rangers. Total was eight and a half, naturally stays under. But you could have got Pruitt in the A's plus 240 today in that matinee game as Oakland playing much better since uh, you know the first two months of the season. A's much more competitive over the last you know month and a half. Detroit 9-5. They take out Minnesota as uh, Bailey over. A minus 160 on the road comes up short. So you had a nice little parlay there. Oakland and Detroit, a couple home teams that really would have paid off handsomely. Houston beats Jack Flaherty. Again, Flaherty pitched very, very well on his debut for the Orioles. Not as sharp tonight, but not bad. But they couldn't get him to run support. He needed Hayes at a two-run jack. The only runs for the Orioles. Uh, but Javier, very sharp, and uh, you know it's a good, good team. This Houston team, they're defending champions. And Tucker, who hit the grand slam last night in the ninth, also had another home run, a two-run jack in this game. Toronto got one run. It was a home run by George Springer. That's all Kevin Gausman in the bullpen needed as Toronto knocks off Cleveland on the road by a score 
of one to nothing. Boston and Nick Pavetta, they hold on against Kansas City, four to three the final there. Pavetta, big favorite, minus two forty. Game staying under the ten and a half. Mike Clevenger on the hill there for the Palhos, and they beat the Yankees again. So Chicago Bill, a happy camper. He knows his team's not going anywhere, but if they can beat the Yankees, like most American League fans, they're happy if you can knock off the Bronx Bombers. Ian Hamilton got roughed up there starting that game for the Yankees. 9-2 to the final game, getting up and over the total of 11. St. Louis beat Tampa Bay. Good news for the Orioles as they don't lose any ground. Dakota Hudson starting that game, and the Redbirds knocking off Tampa Bay by a score of 6-4, to and that game does get over the total of 9. Shoei Otani and the uh, Angels do get that win against the Giants. That is a final 4-1. to The Giants uh, going down. They had the tying run at the plate but could not get anything going. And the Angels get their second win in a row after dropping seven in a row at the trade deadline. They now have one two in a row. So they're trying to right the ship there. I believe they're back to 500 there in the AL West. And Seattle still batting five to one as they put up a four spot and still batting. And uh, the Mariners, again, going to go 10 games over 500 in the American League West, and they are well on their way to being right there as one of those wild-card teams, which will give Andy Isco a couple wild cards because he's got Toronto. Right now we've got that bet, and for KT, it's tough. The Orioles I still have, and they're okay. They're playing well, uh, but Tampa Bay with McClanahan out, and, and they're all banged up that Rays team, and that's good news for Wayne Krivsky, who has their win total under. But Tampa Bay is going to limp into the postseason if they can make it through August and September. What's your take, Mark Hoke, as far as the Rays? Do you still think they're a lock to get into the postseason as a wild card if they don't catch the Orioles, or do you think that they're in trouble? Well, this pitching staff being devastated could could put them in a little bit of a bind, Ken. You, you're looking at a Seattle team that's gotten back on track. Houston's fully healthy now. You know, Texas could – I'm not going to say they're – they're in trouble for the playoffs, but you know now their Jenga tower has gotten a few sticks pulled out of it. If you know what I mean, I mean they, you know, with Young going out, they they've just been dealing with so many injuries too. You know, Texas and Tampa could be in a little bit of trouble here. Uh, you know, I but you know Toronto's hanging around, but you know, but I really think this is now down to just a handful of teams. So you know, one of them should make it for sure, but this could. This could get interesting, buddy. I, you know, I picked Tampa to finish fourth. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're a fourth place team, but third's a possibility right now. Yeah, no doubt. And again, that uh, major blow there with McClanahan, that was a big loss. Uh, Glasnow, he's there, but we've seen him on, uh, you know, as far as stamina, he's starting to get the ball for a little bit longer, although he's listed as day-to-day now. They didn't put him on the I.L., uh, but Fleming on the I.L. for a while. Eflin's been good. Savali, inconsistent. Littell, uh, also somebody that they're going to need to step up. And then Tampa Bay is not a team that is not used to going with just, you know, bullpen by committee. As far as getting two innings here, an inning here, two innings here, they've done that routine before. They may be back in that same situation. You've got Armstrong and Diekman and Poach and uh, Kelly there in the, and, and Jason Adam as well. Uh, Fairbanks, your closer. But they're going to have to yeah, piecemeal it together to try and get through the Tampa Bay Rays after getting off to that blistering start. Uh, again, the Orioles caught them. And the Orioles really, even though they're p- playing good ball, Mark, and they're well over five hundred. I mean, when you look at, I'd say, four of their last six losses, 
they're all games that Baltimore probably should have won. That's how well this team's playing. You had the, you know, the grand slam last night by Tucker. You had a couple games last week, same thing, to where they were in position to win. And, you know, if they win those games, this team's, you know, 30-plus games over 500. But they're still there as far as the team to beat in the AL East right now. But they have not really opened it up the way they probably could have had they closed out some of the games that they had been winning this year, including losing that game last night to Houston. They did get blistered pretty good tonight. We'll see how they fare tomorrow. You and I will go over the overnights in a little bit. Uh, we'll come back. We're going to talk about the Henry Ruggs situation as, again, that verdict comes in today right here in Vegas. And then, as I told you, another former uh, big-time Super Bowl winner is in a lot of trouble. Bailed out of jail uh, for now, but it doesn't look good. And we'll talk about that when we come back. SportsX Radio 101.5 FMK. Dawn streaming live on the Odyssey app. You're listening to SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson. Producer Mark Hoke. We're live. KT live at Steiner's Pub. Come on down. Hanging out. Got a crowd that's thinned out, but nonetheless, uh, 24-hour establishments, all three of the Steiner's Pub locations, 24 hours. And so if you want to get a nice meal at 2 in the morning, you can do so because the kitchens are open and they've got great food. They've got salmon. They've got steak. They've got chicken piccata. They've got burgers, chicken sandwiches, quesadillas, homemade salad dressings, homemade soups, outstanding, an outstanding menu. And you can go online and you can check it out as well. And you can call in and you can order and pick up something to go. It is not bar food. It is outstanding food. And the great thing is the prices are very, very reasonable. Service outstanding as well. And then you've got full bars. You've got your video kino, video poker. You've got all that, and you get the great service to boot. So SportsX Radio is privileged to be here at Steiner's Pub, year number 15, 1750 North Buffalo. And we may be shifting around to the other two locations as well during football season, 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South. And, of course, that is right in between South Point and Mandalay Bay as far as, uh, you know, geographically put it there on the map. And then 8410 West Cheyenne, also on the west side, uh, that is the original in their 25th year. We are SportsX Radio. Ken Thompson, producer Mark Hoke. We're coming right back live from Vegas. Keep it right here. Mark Hoke spinning the hits here on a Wednesday night. There you go, Mark Hoke. You've got a wide array of, uh, of music that you listen to. And uh, that one right there, was that uh, Mayor, Mayor Hawthorne? Hawthorne. Yeah. yeah, Mayor Hawthorne. Very good. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's been... Uh, yeah, he, he peaked a little while ago in terms of his popularity, but uh, he's, he's still around doing some pretty good stuff. But, you know, nice, soulful voice, great, great music. It's some, some fun stuff he does, too. Check them out. Yeah, so Mark, uh, as far as uh, all the different genres and everything, was that something that, you know, you grew up with family-wise, or was it just something on your own that you started, you know, just dabbling and getting into all different types of music? Well, I think, you know, the first time I really got to listen to rock and roll was digging into my parents' old albums and some singles they had, and then they wouldn't let me listen to rock and roll, so it was Casey Kasem, man. Nice. American Top 40, and then, you know, it was... You know, when they weren't around, I was listening to, you know, the couple of pretty good stations back in Pennsylvania. And, you know, WYSP? There was, well, there was, well, I never got them, but there was there was one station called 92 Rock that played 
literally everything. How about MMR? Was an MMR a station? Uh, they're down in Baltimore. We could down yeah, down that way. So I mean, you could get them, but yeah, I was in the south central part of the state. So okay, but yeah, I mean, I I just started like with Casey Kasem and stuff. You you learn about the history of music and things like that, and I you know I did some choir and stuff and too. So. Yeah, I really diversified, but, you know, pulling up the Temptation and albums and Sam and Dave and, and all that. Yeah, it's, I just tried to listen to everything. So, All right. Uh, you know, sad situation a few years back with the Henry Ruggs crash and Tina Tintor losing her life, her dog as well. Just a horrific way to be taken, uh, you know, the fire. We saw the, you know, the video and it was just tragic to say the least and her family has gone through literally a living hell over the last couple of years and things went down today to where former Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs III was sentenced three to ten years in the fatal DUI now again his car uh, registering as high as 156 miles per hour uh, well over the legal limit as far as blood alcohol He's now 24. He's been under house arrest with uh, alcohol and location, electronic monitoring devices uh, since his plea of guilty back in May of one count of DUI resulting in death and one count of misdemeanor vehicular manslaughter. And uh, this is just not a good situation for anybody. I mean, Ruggs, uh, uh, a kind of a quiet kid there, uh, you know, out of University of Alabama and uh, a speedster known for his speed and you know, we kind of focused in on him being somebody that would stretch the field for the Raiders. But then we'll never forget that crash and the loss of life. And, you know, Tina Tintor and her family, they had actually come out of the Balkan region. Uh, they had escaped here to the United States back when, you know, you had all the stuff, the fallout with Serbia and Croatia and Bosnia. And uh, horrific there. They survived that situation only to lose their daughter, Tina Tintor, and her dog was with her and literally sitting at a stop sign when Ruggs car crashed uh, there, and, and uh, it was tragic. So Henry Ruggs did address the court today. I, you know, I'm not saying there's not sincerity. Uh, you know, you don't know, and some people are just, you know, introverted and maybe not used to uh, being able to just speak without looking down at something but I just to me when you've been you know going through what Ruggs is you know going through and also knowing what the family's been going through I just to me when something is you know coming from the person you know coming from your heart and your soul do you need to read anything or look down at something that's been pre-written whether you wrote it yourself or it's written for you I don't know. I guess maybe if you had some bullet points because you don't want to forget uh, something that you may be nervous and you want to be able to address people. But to me, you know, it's I don't understand some of this. I mean, it's just like when I see people that they're like, I'm not guilty and they're adamant about it. You know, then what do you need to read something that somebody's prepared for you? If you're really not guilty, then you should be able to get up there and just speak from your heart and say, hey, this is this is it. I didn't do, you know, whatever. And, and so I, I kind of, you know, makes me think a little bit there 
especially when you have high-priced attorneys, that something's been written out for somebody. And if you're truly remorseful and, and uh, you know, you're coming from the heart, it'll come across that way. You don't need to read anything or have anything. That's just my personal, Mark. Where are you as far as that goes? Well, I, I'll take... I understand what you're saying, but I, I will take another side on that. And when you're in a situation like that, you know, and even even in the statement where you're trying to get that message across, if you say the wrong thing, you could land yourself in even more legal trouble. So that's why these statements a lot of times are written out that and your your attorney's gonna tell you say this word for word. Don't don't deviate. Don't go off the script here because if you do and you say the wrong thing, you you could screw all this up. You Got know? it. And so you, you you have to be very very careful when you're in spots like that. And you know, and that's that's politicians and everybody else too. A lot of times when they have written statements like that, there's a reason that it's a written statement and they're not going off the cuff because they've been told don't. If you go off the cuff, it could cause you trouble. Um, you know, one of you know one other thing that I I wanted to point out is because you know it was getting talked about a lot this afternoon on our station, and you know this point got completely missed. Was the district attorney here is named uh, Stephen Wolfson? We elect this guy. Here is what he said when he's been questioned about this sentence. The, the quote he is, and this is off uh, CBSSports.com. I recognize this outcome is not sufficient to punish Ruggs for the loss the Tintor family has suffered, but there was a legitimate concern that a court would have suppressed the result of the blood draw. We would have lost the felony DUI charge. We couldn't take that chance. This resolution sends Ruggs to prison for up to 10 years on a felony DUI conviction, uh, conviction and brings closure, closure to the Tintor family. So, guys... Let me ask you something. So let me ask you, what was the... What would put the blood sample in jeopardy of being lost well that's and that was the point i want to make that's handling this case properly you know and when you're the da especially in a high profile case like this you got to dot your i's and cross your t's and apparently they might not have handled this well because if something like that comes up that means that something was not done may not have been done properly and Maybe had this gone to completely gone to trial, they they could have lost. Ken, you know those those technicalities happen all the time. There are procedures that have to be followed, especially in a situation like this. So if they made them, you know, did something that was questionable, and they could cast doubt in the eyes of a jury that said, you know what, when they tested him to see if he, you know, his his blood was, you know, he was loaded with alcohol in it, and you know they messed this test up. You know, we don't know, and it, it could have, he could have gotten off, Ken. Uh, no, okay, so there's no way he could have gotten off. He may have gotten off as far as a DUI manslaughter, but are you telling me, oh, you're going to get off for doing 156 miles an hour and crashing into somebody? And, and so regardless, if he never had a drink and he was doing 156 miles an hour and hit that car and killed Tina Tintor and her dog, you're telling me there's, there's no case? That well, that I don't know, but Ken obviously there was a situation there where that something could have gotten screwed up, and you know who knows, who knows. But for you know, but all I heard all I heard this afternoon today was 
well, you know, he should have gotten more. He should have gotten more. Well, you know what? Talk to your DA. Talk to your district attorney. If you're not happy about this and some other stuff that's going on here in the city, pay attention and see who you're voting for. You know, don't just pull lever because they've got an R or a D next to their name. See what you know, see who the person is and see what they're doing. So if you're mad about about this sentence and how this worked out, that's your district attorney. That's your district attorney. So, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I think people, when they look at it, they just look at, you know, maybe their their own circle to say, like, okay, if this was me or my family or anybody in my circle, there's no way that it's going to be three to ten years. There's just no way. It's because, you know, the prestige of being a high-priced athlete, you know, from a professional organization, uh, you know, and we hear that all the time in all different aspects as far as anything legality-wise where, you know, money talks, basically. And, you know. Yeah, and Ken, in, the, in this city, we all know this, that there are a lot of people out there that drink and drive. Yep. You know, and so how many billboards for attorneys do you see if you, you know, you know, if you get a DUI, give us a call. And they specialize in this stuff. So they're looking for any little mistake that got made. If if they can find a way to get you off, they're going to do it. And so if if you know if Wolfson's office made a mistake that there that Ruggs's attorney saw and said, "Well, you know what? You maybe you don't want to take this to trial because this happened. We're willing to do this." And you know, it, it may have put Wolfson office, Wolfson's office in a position where they had to make a deal like this. So, you know, once again, guys, pay attention to who you're voting for. There was, uh, you know, according to my sister, Sports X Michelle, who actually has that uh, degree from Boston University in criminal justice, she was following this and saying that uh, there were family prayers and also uh, Tina Tintor's family was forgiving as far as uh, you know coming to grips with what happened and and being forgiving towards rug situation and i'm sure uh that may have had something to do with it as well when you see a sentence where it says three to ten years uh i would think a lot of it will probably stem from you know him being a model prisoner and you know showing that remorse and he had said he had planned on you know when he is released to be out and talking to people as far as, you know, how you can find yourself in the situation he found himself in because he didn't even know, you know, what he had done, basically. He just knew that he had drank too much, and, and next thing you know, all of a sudden this stuff happens. And I look back, and uh, I did tell SportsX Michelle, I said, you know what, I could go through a Rolodex of several thousand people on my phone, and I'd say that I know, I'd say maybe 10 to 20% of them have never drank and drove. That's it. So while a lot of us are looking and saying he should have got more time, this and that, I get it. But there's a lot of those same people, and I don't care what you know walk of life they're in now as far as their professional job and whatnot, back in their college days or you know their working days as far as whatever... There are many of them that drove when they were over the limit legal, legality-wise, as far as alcohol and or 
drugs. Uh, you know, just about everybody can count their lucky stars when they see something like this and, and know that they're fortunate that it didn't happen to them because most of us have put ourselves in that situation. And yes, it's magnified here in Las Vegas and Clark County and throughout the state of Nevada because it is 24 hours that you can get out there and, and have a drink. There is no shutting down of the uh, local establishments or the, you know, the sports books and, and, and whatnot on the strip or the casinos on the strip. Sports books do close down, but, uh, you know, just places that you can go out and drink. And that's why uh, I think it is imperative that if you are going out, and you'll always hear me end the show, no drinking and driving, no texting and driving, and yet there's still times that I have found myself at different times like trying to sneak a text in here and there and i'm like gosh dang it don't be a hypocrite you know and you find yourself doing that because we're human beings and and uh and we do and we we screw up but uh we'll never drink and drive again i did that you know 20 years ago and you know paid the price for it and so that's where you know and there's a lot of people that i know that have uh, gotten a dui a lot a lot of professionals and you know they're advocates for you know what no drinking and driving and making sure that uh, you understand, and you're a guy that gets out there and you know picks people up that have been out drinking that Uber and Lyft, and we've got that, which actually helps uh, you know the cab systems and and gives you an opportunity to get you know from place A to place B. But I always say, make sure if you're going out, if you even think you're going out and you're going to have some adult beverages, that your ride is set up to get to wherever you need to get to prior to when when you start drinking, because once you start drinking. Your mind is altered, and you are going to make decisions that you would not have made, you know, had your mind been cleared. And so that's why it's good to have everything, you know, kind of set up and laid out prior to starting to indulge. Oh, absolutely. And the, but, the, you know, guys, there's, there's just no reason to do it. There's no reason to do it. It's, it's you know, 20 bucks or 20 years. You know, what are you going to do? So just... Be smart, everybody, please, and you know, don't don't let this happen to you, please. Yep. For the love, let of it God. be another another example, right? And that's that's the thing because a lot of you, and and Mark's right, you'll have more DUIs in Clark County and throughout the state of Nevada than probably anywhere in the country per capita, uh, because it is twenty four hour accessibility. Uh, but that's the whole thing is you've got to make sure that you plan prior to. And the reason I say this is a lot of times you have driven somewhere and you may be, you know, eight, ten miles from your house, maybe five miles from your house, and you're like, ah, I can make it. I don't want to have to take Uber or Lyft or a cab and have to come back and get my vehicle in the morning. i got to go to work, this and that. So you put yourself in that between the rock and a hard place, and, of course, you know, then you could make the wrong decision. So don't do it. Like Mark says, think about it. Think about it prior to going out and starting to party, understand that there will be consequences as you look at how Henry Ruggs and his life has been turned upside down and the life of the Tintor family losing their daughter and her dog in a horrific accident. So that came down today. We will weigh in on the other situation, a former NFL player that made over $12 million in his career could be headed to jail for a long time as well. We'll close up the show with that story as well as the baseball overnights when we wrap up Sports X Radio on a hump day live at Steiner's 101.5 FM K-Dawn, streaming live on the Odyssey app. It is Ken Thompson. You miss any part of the show, the Odyssey Rewind feature set to go right after Sports X Radio is over. Mark Hoke takes us to our final break of the night, the Mark Hoke Show again, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., the best in professional wrestling. We are live from Vegas. We're coming right back. 
Just love that, man. That is great stuff. Mark Hope, little Marcel's wrapping things up here. Final bumper music as we uh, head on home here on a Wednesday night. Finishing SportsX Radio up 101.5 FMK Dawn. Again, Odyssey app. Odyssey Rewind feature is outstanding, so you miss any part of the show, you can go right there. Uh, good stuff uh, as far as Major League Baseball. Tomorrow, good schedule. We'll get into that to wrap things up. But before we do, I was telling you about a former NFL player that right now is uh, could be in a world of hurt. He's out on bail right now talking about cornerback Bashad Breeland. And uh, he won a Super Bowl with Kansas City, played in six playoff games with the Chiefs. Uh, you know, a bunch of... You know, different uh, teams that he played for in the NFL, but made himself some good money, $12.3 million in career earnings. And last played for the Minnesota Vikings when he started 20, or 13 games in 2021. And then last signed with the practice squad of the Arizona Cardinals last year, but uh, did not end up playing. But he won a Super Bowl title with Kansas City at the end of the 2019 season. And he started 15 of the 16 games that he played. And then he played six postseason games for the Chiefs between 2019 and 2020. But this is what happened with Breland, uh, the former cornerback. He was hit with a ton of charges, including possession of a stolen car, guns, drugs. According to this police report, uh, this was in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's 31 years old. He's out on $30,000 bond and was released. I don't know if I'd have let him out or if the bail wouldn't be high enough. I mean, he had two AK-47s, two AR-15s. He had uh, five and a half pounds of marijuana, 62 grams of illegal mushrooms. He also had a stolen Mercedes-Benz SUV, which was found to be reported stolen from Florida. And uh, as far as the SUV... Altered serial numbers, altered title. So, you know, don't know if he bought it like that or if he was part of that procedure. So it is not good right now for Breland. Again, facing multiple felony charges and is out on $30,000 bail. They're going to have to, you know, follow him and and uh, make sure that, you know, he shows up in court. I, you know, you, you put up 30000 I mean, you're facing years in jail with all these charges in North Carolina, but we'll see what happens. But that is unbelievable, Mark, that somebody's even in that position when they had over $12 million in earnings. And that's another problem with a lot of athletes is they just don't think about, you know, what happens when I'm done playing because they live this high lifestyle and uh, no pun intended there. But, I mean, as far as you get into hanging out with, you know, all these people and spending money like it's water. Next thing you know, the money stops coming in, but you're still living that lifestyle and you put yourself in certain predicaments. We'll see how it all pans out, but Breland could be in trouble and uh, could be and could end up spending some time in jail down the line if he's not cleared on all these charges. Dude, how do you get 62 grams of mushrooms? That's a lot. <laughs> wow. Five, five pounds of marijuana, 62 grams of mushrooms. Along with the, the AK-47. Yikes. Yeah. Boy, I bet the cops had fun. And actually, Ken, you know, I, I stayed in uh, in 
that area of North Carolina for a little while. They don't mess around down in Mecklenburg County. I can tell you that. So, good Lord. They, they, oh my. How did, you gotta be a, you gotta be not smart. You gotta be not smart to rolling around with all that stuff. That's crazy. And in a stolen vehicle to top it off? Yeah, I don't I understand mean, why you don't just go to Oregon and everything's legal. Just yeah, hang out there. Yeah, that's what you should have done. Well, probably less market price, but unbelievable. These guys have just got to start using their heads a little bit and realize that, man, there's so many opportunities out there for you as a former NFL player and as a former Super Bowl champion to be doing things other than this. You know, God, appearance fees and everything else. What are you, what are you doing? But yeah, well, have fun in Mecklenburg County, boy. They don't. They they're not gonna. They're not gonna take that lightly. But all right, preseason football tomorrow: Texans and Patriots. Texans minus three and a half, thirty-six and a half. That's an early game, four o'clock Pacific, seven o'clock Pacific. Vikings Seahawks from Seattle. Seahawks three and a half, thirty-five. Matinee baseball: Elder and Falter. Atlanta at Pittsburgh, nine thirty-five a.m. Elder for the Braves minus one ninety-five. Ten-year total. Washington at Philly. Corbin and Nola. Nola minus two sixty. Nine-year total there. And then blotch for uh, Colorado against Clayton Kershaw back on the hill. Kershaw minus three fifty. Eight and a half year total. That is a late game at seven ten Pacific. Another early game with your O's at home with Dean Kramer against Hunter Brown. Brown is the favorite for Houston minus one fifteen nine and a half year total shaded to the under. Maeda for Minnesota. Reese Olson for Chris Wins Tigers. It is Maeda minus one fifty eight eight and a half year total. Manoa for the Blue Jays at Syndergaard for Cleveland. Manoa minus one thirty six nine year total in Kansas City with Marsh against Paxton for Boston. Paxton minus two sixty five ten and a half year total. The one interleague game uh, that'll be uh, Lieberman for St. Louis and Littell there for Tampa. It is Littell minus one eighty nine year total. A look at Major League Baseball. You got the one Thursday night CFL game for our folks from the Great North. Uh, Winnipeg and Edmonton. The Elks at home. I think they've lost twenty one straight home games. Uh, set a record there, CFL-wise. It is Winnipeg minus 11.5. The Blue Bombers, pretty good, 45-year total. And WNBA Thursday, Minnesota-Indiana. Minnesota minus 3.5, 162 on the road. The Lynx, the favorite. Atlanta at Seattle. Atlanta also the dream, the favorite on the road. Total 165, but the dream favorite by 5.5. And, and then Connecticut at Phoenix. Make it all three road teams, the favorites tomorrow night in the WNBA. Connecticut minus 8. Total 168, 160 and a half, 160, 160 and a half against the Phoenix Mercury. I'll about do it here on a Wednesday night. Tomorrow, Throwback Thursday. Uh, Bob Beeler, the voice of Boise State football, going to join myself. Andy Isco and Wayne Krivsky should make it in studio, so should it be a uh, full house there at PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. We thank everybody here at Steiner's Pub and thank you, the listeners. And again, if you haven't heard the uh, interview, with Shaquille O'Neal that was late last night. Mark Hook's going to help me, and I'll get that solidified by itself, and we'll get that tweeted out and also up on Instagram. Till tomorrow, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Steiner's Pub, SportsX Radio, 101.5 FM, Dawn. We streamed live on the Odyssey app. God bless, folks. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Have a great evening. Good night, everybody.